Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host and joining me, my co-host, Emily. How are you? I am great as always. <laughs> I wish you could, everyone could see every time I do that, like sign on, I always point to Emily. Always. And I always smile really big. As if like <laughs> I'm trying to direct your attention, the listener. You're to, like the Vanna White of me. I am. You know, one day <laughs> I would love if we could do this on video, you know? Yeah. Like if we had like a YouTube channel and we had cameras and we could actually like kind of like Mike and Mike. Do you know what Mike and Mike is? Uh, I think I've heard of them. <laughs> like ESPN <laughs> show, you know? Okay, okay, yeah. I yeah. think my father-in-law listens to that. And so in high school when I'd be in his truck, it was sometimes on. I always thought it was really <laughs> weird that they like had a show that they would show it on ESPN. You could watch them talking in these really big microphones about stuff. And now I actually think it's a pretty cool concept. Yeah. It's fun to have conversations and see people's expressions and see me gesture to you hey. when I open up the podcast. Right. It's fun. Today, we have an incredible, incredible interview. Mm-hmm. I mean, Emily, I, I don't, I'm, this is not hyper, uh, hyperbole. I honestly think this might be my favorite interview we've ever done. Yeah. Now, that's hard to say because we've done a lot of good interviews. Yeah. But Andrew and Christy Bauman, their story and the way they are able to communicate their feelings mm-hmm. and and what they learned through their story is just amazing. Yeah. Um, this is a couple who have gone through some serious heartache and pain. They're going to share a lot more of their story, but essentially they had to give um, a stillbirth. So mm-hmm. they had to give birth to a baby going into the hospital f- at 41 weeks and realizing uh, in the 41st week of pregnancy that there was no heartbeat. Wow. And that... I mean, just absolutely crushing. I I can't imagine that. Um, But I know there's a lot of people in our Nothing Is Wasted community who have lost children, who have had miscarriages, who have maybe even had to um, perform a stillbirth. And uh, this this interview is going to massively encourage you. Yeah. Um, There's six years into this journey now. Okay. And so they've got a really, really strong perspective on the purpose that's coming out of this pain. It's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's cool. awesome. It's cool that Jesus can use, um, just briefly, <laughs> he can use uh, our our pain and our circumstances to just draw us closer to his heart yeah. and teach us more about his character. I feel like if I can think back um, on our story, you know, the past three years, I feel like there are things that I wouldn't know about God's goodness and his faithfulness um, and even <laughs> even his like gentleness and the way right. that he like uh, truly cares for our hearts if we hadn't like experienced the lowest of yeah, those. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and one of the things that you learn when you experience the lows is that it, if you walk through it properly, if you allow yourself to feel this, and this is one of the things we're going to talk about in this interview, then you open up yourself the capacity to experience also the highs. Mm-hmm. But if you numb the lows, you're going to end up numbing the highs. Right. You don't get to choose or yeah. be selective with how you numb. It's like whatever season you're in, you just have to lean in. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, yeah, but before we go into this interview, first of all, we just want to ask you guys as our Nothing Is Wasted community, if you would do us a favor and rate and review the podcast, share it with people. Um, It just helps it a lot to get more exposure Mm -hmm. um, for for people who are walking through or encountering some kind of trial or pain for them to be able to see this on their, their, 
playlist or their iTunes list as they're searching around for podcasts, your ratings and reviews help it tremendously. It also helps to warm our hearts. Yes. <laughs> it helps to encourage us to let us know that, again, nothing is wasted, mm-hmm. that we're continuing to have an impact through Amanda's story, through our story, yeah. um, and through everything that, that God is doing out of that. So thank you so much for those of you guys who have rated and reviewed this, um, who have written in. If you want to write in, you can write in to us. Tell us your story. Maybe you have a suggestion of a story that you want to feature on the podcast. Yeah. And we definitely like to take those suggestions in. We've actually we've actually answered Christy and Andrew Bauman were actually one of those. Yeah. Someone came and suggested the story to us and we were like, yeah. Let's do it. Let's, yeah. let's talk to them. Let's do it. So it's always great to be able to get connected in that way. You can email us at hello at resonateindy.com. Again, that's hello at resonateindy.com. And we'd love to just get your feedback. We'd love to hear your story. We'd love to partner with you in whatever way we can to be able to help walk you through that story. And so make sure you do that. Yeah. Hey, one other way that you guys can be a part of uh, the Nothing is Wasted community um, and, and really, you know, partner with us in in getting the word out, um, is through giving. Um, and so there is a cost associated with, with putting this podcast in your headphones or in your car speakers. And, um, we love it. We love, we love being with you guys. Um, but there are some of you who have asked like, Hey, is there a way that we can give, um, to this nothing is wasted Mm. ministry? And the answer is yes. Uh, recently (laughs) as of recently, yes. Um, and the way that you can do that is by going to davyblackburn.com slash give, and there will be like a, a spot to um, put money specifically toward the Nothing Is Wasted yeah. podcast. And so, hey, if you have done that, if you're praying about doing that, um, thank you. We yeah. really, really appreciate it. And to all of our listeners, um, they're, they're thanking you too, because it just means that this ministry is going to be able to reach further um, and, and continue to give people hope through their headphones. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so let's dive into the interview with Andrew and Christy Bauman. Andrew, Christy, good to have you guys on the show with me. Thank you, Davey. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're excited to hang out with you guys. Excited to um, spend some time with you to hear your story. Um, it is uh, it's a heart-wrenching story, um, yes. and, and but I know a lot of people have, have walked through a similar natures of pain. So um, why don't we—I'm going to let you guys uh, jump into that, let you guys share that. So um, start, start with a little bit about— where you guys are right now, as far as who who are you, who who are the Ballmans, where do you yeah. guys live, what do you do, and then we're gonna jump back and kind of step back into the story of of pain. Awesome, sounds good. You want to start? Sure. So um, Andrew and I have been married nine years now, and we're living in Seattle, Washington. We're both licensed mental health therapists, so we work, um, luckily, in an office in our backyard, which is a great commute in the Seattle (laughs) area. And um, yeah, we have uh, two kids and a five and a three-year-old, and we, I am eight months pregnant. I had to count that for a second, and so we're... (laughs) We're um, holding out for another one coming in yeah. the next couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we, so Seattle, we, home of Starbucks. Come on, that's right. Home Come of on. Starbucks. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yep. We uh, yeah we uh, see a bunch of clients and write write some books and very cool. We uh, we uh, we have a yeah a, a good life. Wow, we do. Wow. So yes. both both of you guys are are therapists. Yes. 
Wow. Yes. And now do you uh, practice together or is that, do you each have your own practices uh, or was that? Uh, like? Yeah. I mean, we, we, uh, we each have our own practices and yet we do a lot of crossover. Okay. Um, I, I typically work with a lot of men who are involved in uh, sexual addiction and compulsive mm. sexual behaviors. And then I kind of work with more of the sexual health for women, okay. Christian women who are trying to mm-hmm. understand what healthy Christian sexuality looks yeah. like. Okay. Um, so it does cross over. So yeah, we work with clients. a lot of couples as well. So okay, yeah, but, yeah. that's very cool. Yeah. How how did you guys get into that? What I mean, I mean, when you were five years old, were you like, I'm going to grow up and be a <laughs> A therapist or what? I want to be a, a therapist. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I think it actually comes from part of the conversation we're going to have today and just part of my story of pain yeah. and and heartache um, and just, yeah, just trauma in my own life. Yeah. And then trying to seek out answers and seek out healing and, and, and the church, uh, and in a sense, trying to help, trying to be there. And yet, I just I couldn't quite find the healing mm. that I was looking for, so it set me on this journey uh, of really find healing for my story and my heartache, and that kind of grew to this intersection of my love for for theology and God, and also psychology and, wow. and healing in, wow. internally. That's yeah. awesome, man. That's incredible. Okay, so why don't we jump in? Let's let's talk about that story. <laughs> let's talk about the roots yeah. of of this purpose that now you've you've found through your pain. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, Christy and I met. Uh, let's see, was nine nine years ago? I guess further. We've only we've been married for nine years. Eleven years ago. Dang, we are getting old. <laughs> uh, so yeah, eleven years in uh, Orlando, Florida, and um, you know, it took us a while to work out some of our issues. So by about five years, until uh, four years until we got married. Hey, that's, uh, that's mostly... encouraging. Okay, it's encouraging to all young married couples. I'm I'm oh, newlywed cool. as well, so it's encouraging right. to hear that. There that it takes go. some time. Congratulations. <laughs> and when I when I say our issues, I actually mostly mean my issues. Yeah, just, yeah. Just to clarify, just to clarify, you combine two uh, people with issues, it doesn't create peace and harmony. <laughs> it no, creates no, issues. No. It's uh, true, and it takes a while to work it out. Yeah. yeah. So we you know worked it out, got married, and uh, yeah, just the typical you know young Christian couple kind of you know finishing our graduate school and starting our um starting our therapy practices and even i was thinking like in, with our wedding money we actually bought 14 acres in africa to start sustainable farming for wow. missions so we were the we were also really lofty and naive and wild <laughs> in the way we dreamed as yeah. far as like missions yeah. and how we wanted to live we came out pretty bold out of the gates of yeah. just dreaming on behalf of the kingdom. That's cool. Um, That's very yeah. cool. Yeah. Man. So, so yeah. So when we started, you know, planning for a family is what a year or two into our marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the excitement, <clears throat> you know, we got pregnant, uh, with a, our, a son, um, Jackson brave Bauman. And our excitement was, was absolutely tangible. Mm. Like I, I can't even tell you, I mean, we were like, we were dancing, we were having parties, our whole house was decked out. Uh, it was like, you know, the the president was yeah. coming to, to town. Yeah. I mean, we were wild in our uh, anticipation of him coming. Um, and so... Now, I think I think that's probably typical for a lot of first-time parents, but was there a reason? Yeah, Is there a reason why you guys were like so much more heightened on that and elated by that? Uh, 
yeah, I think that taps into a bit of my own story for me, a bit loaded of uh, a lot of struggles with my own father and, and an absent father, in a sense, uh, dreaming as this is a part of my redemption story. Yeah, of okay. I, I get a chance now to step into some of my own deepest pain of growing up without a father mm. who was present. And now I can father my own son uh, in, in a way um, that, that really just redeems my own brokenness. Wow. And so in, in that way, it was loaded for me. And we're both coming from divorced families. Yeah. I think we had dreams and a, a real vision to have something different or to yeah. try at least with everything in us to have something different. So yeah. the excitement of the opportunity to start a family felt mm. courageous and it felt glorious. Yeah. Um, wow. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So you got this <laughs> excitement, you have this elation, you're, yeah. you're pulling out all the stops you're excited, oh, yeah. bringing everybody yeah. in on this whole thing. Okay. Up totally. till two in the morning, putting cribs and I mean, just, I yeah, think the, the rooms, typical first yeah. child for any couple, we're just, yeah, we, we, we live in a little basement apartment that's still really expensive because it's Seattle, yeah. you know, <laughs> and a well, two, two bedroom apartment and it's just, you know, it's all decked out. And so we're getting closer to the due date. Um, everything's great. Obviously we're checking, uh, you know, we decided to have a, you know, uh, do it typical in the hospital just because um, some friends had lost their baby. And mm. we were just like, we want to go above and beyond and make sure everything is, you know, is fine and yeah. and well. Yeah. So we did everything in our power um, just because uh, we were aware of, you know, birth trauma. Right. Um, and we were about 41 weeks. So we we're a week past. And I think we were just waiting, waiting yeah. Yeah. for this child to come and yeah. um, went in for a typical check and we were going to be induced because we were so late in mm. in the pregnancy mm -hmm. process. And so we went in for a normal induction to start the birth and um it's a checkup just right before. Right. To yeah. to make the decision and um we found that there was no Brave had no heartbeat. Mm. And that we assumed was a cord accident and and what we found later was that the cord had wrapped around four times oh, um yeah. and just in that last day before birth, we had lost him. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. And just the, I mean, just even that scene, and we write about it in our book, A Brave Lament, that first scene, uh, you know, I just feel it now, even as I'm telling it, like, you know, my wife is laying on the table, the doctor's checking, and then she starts checking more vigorously, and I look at her face, and I knew something, I knew something was wrong because her face changed, right? Mm. Her face dropped. Um, and I, and I looked at Christy and I said, oh no. Um, and then the doctor said, I, I need to go get another doctor. And she hurried out of the room and I knew, um, I knew something horrific, mm. uh, was happening and in my heart felt like it was, you know, in the bottom of my stomach. Wow. And, wow. and I was, I was more hopeful. I think I, I didn't want to believe it. And so I just, I was holding on that everything was fine. Mm. And, um, so after the second doctor confirmed it, you know, Andrew said, what do we do? And I, I said, we call Ben, which is our pastor. And we called him right there in the room and he just began to wail on mm. the other end of the line. And, um, the walk to the elevator to then have the ultrasound to confirm that there was no heartbeat was probably one of the loneliest disorienting walks for Andrew and I to mm. get in that elevator mm. with other people who had no idea um, 
and then to actually see on the screen this ready baby boy yeah. without a heartbeat. Um, mm. It's a very eerie, um, dark, cold feeling yeah. to have. Mm. Wow. Yeah, so we, we call our pastor, and he's just like, come to Andy and Lisa's house, which is another great friend of ours. Our church, we all live in the same neighborhood, and so there's about 30 of us that all live in community. Um, and so we drive to our friend's house, and there's 15 people just waiting there. And we literally just kind of fall out of the car mm. uh, and, and into people's arms. Um, wow. And, and basically for the next uh, few days, we just literally hide there mm. and we just wail as a community. We just the whole floor is covered with um, uh, tissues and uh, our community just holds us uh, and we're just there and grieving together. And so just not alone. And yet then we basically have to go back within, uh, she say 48 hours, yeah. um, to give birth. Mm. And that was just terror, oh. a terrifying, terrifying prospect to, yeah. to see him, to hold him. Uh, it, it made the death more real yeah. and more potent. Mm. I think birthing death is one of the most confusing ideas. <sighs> Absolutely. It doesn't make any sense. And yet, there's even something of God the Father sending His Son, oh, who wow. then is going to die on the cross, and so there's this invitation, as for me as a woman and as a mother, to know what it means to birth a life that will end in death, yeah, and not, not eternal death, but in an earthly death. Mm -hmm. And there's something really intimate about that invitation, and mm -hmm. there's something that um, the suffering is just nothing like I've ever experienced of what it means to to birth knowing that death is the inevitable end yeah. of it. Wow. Wow. Yeah, you got, uh, you know, in a very different but similar way, an insight into, you know, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Right. And, uh, you know, I believe she knew the purpose of Jesus. I mean, I think there was something that was planted in her heart when the angel shows up and says, this is what you're going to do. And Jesus was pretty open about his purpose, that his purpose was the cross. He tried to tell his disciples that all the time. They didn't believe him. They didn't understand it. I think there was something inside of the, the motherly instinct where she knew it. And mm -hmm. that's what an insightful thing that you experienced a little bit of what <laughs> that looks like. And right. that um, there was a purpose that was marked out for little brave um, a purpose that you would have never written for him, and yet it's it's yeah. gonna it's gonna have an impact to change lives, um, very much the same way that Jesus is. You know, obviously a microcosm of Jesus's impact in lives. Yes. Right. Um, right. Wow. And wow. I don't I don't think we often look to the manger, but there is something of a woman breaking her body yeah. to birth to birth uh, in in a way. Uh, um, a gift of life. Mm -hmm. And um, so there was an invitation there where I think Brave's story invited me into what the manger looked like and then what the crucifixion looked like wow. in many ways. And so there was a parallel of knowing God in a very intimate process. Wow. Now you're using this word invitation. And I love the word because one of the things that I've said over and over about my story is that at first I thought it was an interruption to my story, but then upon 
further inspection, I realized that it was an invitation into a greater story. When did you recognize that this was now an invitation into something? Because I don't I imagine immediately that's probably not what you're feeling, right? <laughs> well, talk talk about that process a little bit. How did you have to? How did your perspective shift there? Hmm. Right. Yeah. Go ahead, Ben. Uh, yeah. <sighs> I think I still I still push back against that idea. Yeah. Um, mm. um, not, but it, it's happening without my consent, mm. right? Like, if I'm faithful, if I have integrity, if I continue to follow the path that God is leading me to, I have to invite. Like, I have to continue to lean into resurrection. Mm. But I don't want to. Right. I, I would never choose pain. Yeah. I would never. I would never choose this horrific. No, obviously we we. Ne- but but it's going to happen regardless, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Our suffering is going to happen regardless, and so a lot of times I think in the Christian community we get a bit confused, right? We yeah. almost like, oh, you just suffered, so now you're, you know, now there's meaning, and now it's just like no, it, it's it's yeah. way more. It, to be honest and authentic, it's way more resistant, and so in many ways it's like. No, I still fight against that. I wow. don't wanna I didn't wanna write I didn't wanna write this book. I didn't want to uh, you know, we're doing a documentary film as well that, that's coming out. And it's like I didn't wanna make this film. I yeah. want my I want my son. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. I, and I still want it and I'll always want my son, but I I can't have him here. Mm. Um and I have to be faithful with my story because that is the way I can continue to have integrity. Mm, that's so good. So uh, you're, what you're saying though, is you're saying that purpose, yeah, God play, God has this, this promise that he'll repurpose our pain, right? That he'll use it, yes. that, you know, what the enemy meant for evil, he turns around for good and for the saving of many lives, right? That Romans eight twenty eight tells us that he works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So he has, there's promises out there, but sure. that promise is contingent on a, a partnership too, in the sense that we lean into it, to the extent that we lean into that and we allow him to do that, that we answer that and respond to that invitation, then he'll continue to do that, right? Even though that's the last thing we want to do, you know, the last thing we want to do is lean into brokenness. The last thing we want to do is lean into the pain because it it hurts. It's, it's horrendous. We'd much rather God use our gifts, right? Use our talents, not our brokenness. Totally. And another another way to say that same thing is we want resurrection without crucifixion. Ooh. Wow. Right? Wow. So we want we want the the goodness of resurrection. And you mm. see many Christians are, you know, God is good all the time, amen. And all which is true. Yeah. Right? But but when I go around those people that are all resurrection, I, I kind of want to dig my eyes out with a spoon mm. because it, it it's not the whole story. Mm-hmm. We can't just be all resurrection. To be an authentic Christian, I think we have to hold both, yeah, right? and we have it. to actually enter into the depth of our heartache, the mm. depth of our own death, the depth of our crucifixion, so we can experience the fullness of resurrection. Wow, wow! Right, resurrection is so much sweeter after the suffering of crucifixion, and yes. and such is birth normally. Yeah. After the breaking of your body, you get this baby, mm. and you get this life that you have waited to see and longed for, and that's what makes it so sweet, is that you've, you've broken yourself to get that. And yeah. I think that the Christ's body being broken on the cross makes his glorified body so much sweeter, and, and I think that's what we can't live without mm-hmm. anymore, 
we need the authenticity of that suffering to really, because the glory of resurrection is so important to us now, right. and because it means so much to us, we almost have to honor the breaking of the body mm. uh, really mm-hmm. well. Right. And, and and why I so appreciate what you do in your podcast is it feels like you're inviting people to not just skip over their yep, heartache. That's it right you there. Know, to, I was to just about honor, to say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. To, to honor it. You're inviting mm-hmm. people, whereas typically, you know, in the church, and you know this because you are now marked, you know, you have been marked with suffering mm-hmm. too, Davey. And, and it's just like, that's why you're doing this is because you know, like, it's almost like we're a part of a special club that yeah. we don't want to be a part of. Exactly. Right? We have a big, an S on our chest that says suffer. Right. And, and we feel like an alien. And yet it's like, but we got to be talking about this. Right. We got to be, we got to be entering into this because there's so many folks that feel so alone and so, uh, you know, alien in yep. their pain. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's what the enemy wants you to feel when you get to that place of pain. I think that's how he can cause people mm-hmm. to be paralyzed in their pain is right. one to just gloss over mm-hmm. it, to just act right. like it didn't happen, suppress it. You know, I'm going to, I'm not going to deal with this and, or, or two, just get stuck in the depths yes. of it. Right. You know? And yeah. so yes. what I'd love for you to talk a little bit about, because mm-hmm. one of the things I so appreciate about even reading, um, you know, a brave lament and thumbing through some of that and reading some of the, you know, it's a, it's a collection of these like journal entries, right. Mm-hmm. Where you guys just went to the depths of sorrow. Um, yes. Talk to me about that a little bit. Cause I so appreciated that you, you know, you can tell both of you guys are, are deep thinkers and you're, you're artists in that sense. And, and you went there, you didn't shy away from yeah. it. Um, yeah. what was that process like the, the days and weeks and months after yeah. losing brave, how, talk to me about the dark places yeah. a little bit, because that's where people are shying away from shine some yes. light on those places for me. Cause there's people out there. They're like, am I alone in this? Am I like, yes. you know, yeah. right. I'm, I'm glad you slowed us there too, because six years later, our perspective is a little more healed. Yeah. And so it is hard to go back to the really dark places. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the the darkest of days were those days, those days when we had nothing to hold and nothing to wake up in the middle of the night to but our yeah. sorrow. Yeah. And, and uh, there was a, a year or so where I couldn't even sing a worship song because there was so much emotion that in some ways I had been betrayed by my lover Mm. and I felt so betrayed and I, I needed God to be in that place. I needed to almost um, be angry enough to forgive him, which Mm. that didn't make any sense theologically, but it made sense in my heart as far as intimately. Yeah. Yes. And so that process was hard because you're not taught that it's okay to rage and be angry yeah. mm-hmm. and, and take God on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I needed to take God's suffering on to really know that I could have the same intimacy I had before. Mm-hmm. And an and even greater I, one at that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and uh, completely. And I, I think there was a moment where I just said, I, I admitted, and this was some part a year into it where I just said, I thought I was more special. I Mm. thought I was your daughter, your bride. I was a child of God. And I thought you would save me from this. Mm. I thought you would protect me from this. You want life. So why didn't you give it to me? And 
you know, there was a response that I felt like the Lord just said back to me very clearly, you are just as special as everyone else who has lost something Mm. or has had something stolen. You are that special and you are that unspecial. And Mm. in a sense, there was like his honesty back to me of you are my child. I want to give you everything. And a lot of my children have had things taken from them Mm. and you're just as important as they are. And it was it was a very humbling place for me, but I also am so grateful for that honest of a conversation where I could almost accuse God of these years that I feel like I've been committed and married to you and loved by you. Um, and I, I, what like I wanted to I wanted to be mad like I am at a lover who betrays me. yeah, yeah. and and his response, I felt was just, so honest and so clear and and it was so loving even though it it yeah. um it just it centered it grounded me in a very different way yeah and I, I think i think that's important to note just on that same line like god is not insecure like you and i are yeah right and so you know read the psalms right like god can handle our rage right right god th- there is actually a holiness i i believe uh, and I'm sure you can poke holes in this theology all day long, but it's like God, God can can hold like we can curse right. at God. That's okay. like that's okay. Right. God God loves us despite of it, and that's what makes grace and mercy so radical. Yep. Is that that God can bear our rage. Yep. And so to give yourself permission to rage, to give yourself permission to this is not okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and um and that that is okay. It doesn't have to look clean. It doesn't have to look like our, our, you know, especially the first year, we lost a lot of friends. Like mm. people are like, what is wrong with you? Why don't you have more faith? Why don't you have, wow. and it's just like, you know, this type of, uh, of faith that's supposed to look really clean. Mm. And it's like, oh no, you guys don't get it. Like we have to grieve to the level in which we love. Yeah. And, yeah. and we loved our son so much. Wow. And I ha- that means I have to go so dark and so deep so I can be semi-normal at the end of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's absolutely right. You know, I think about it from the standpoint of, uh, like my son, Weston, he, he asks me why oftentimes, right? Uh, but I've learned as his father to discern two different whys that come from his mouth. There's, mm-hmm. there's one why that really is, it's out of curiosity, you know, we're walking yeah. around outside sure. and he's like, hey, daddy, why does this or why is this or why, you know, and I'm like engaging with him in that. I love that. I'm asking. But there are other whys that come out of his mouth that is straight defiance. Mm-hmm. It's not curiosity. It's defiance. It is like I'm putting my face or my, my hand in your face. I don't mm-hmm. want to do what you asked me to do. I'm not going to do it. Right. Yeah. And right. it's it's almost a why that and that grieves my heart. It's his father because I'm like, hey, buddy, I've got really great things for you. You know, I want, I want this for you and you're defying and defiant in in that. And I think, um, we do the same thing with God. I think that, that Mm -hmm. our wise, he's not afraid of our wise, but what he begs of us and what he wants from us is wise of curiosity, wise that are Mm -hmm. okay with, even while he's embracing us, we can, you know, beat on his chest and be like, why, why, why? I just want to know why, you know, he's okay with it. He's not intimidated by that. He's okay with us in rage asking the whys because we really want to seek to understand. We really want to know. He may not give us the answers and that's okay. He may give us a a different perspective um, because we have a, 
we have a limited perspective. He may not be able to, to really impart those answers in us. But, the, but oftentimes you see people, they do the whys that are out of defiance. They, they turn yeah, their back sure. on God. They go, I'm running away from this. I think as long as we're engaging with God in those dark right. places, we're wrestling right. with God right. in those dark places, we're going to emerge with a different perspective. We're going to emerge with a, a, yes. a stronger trust, a, a stronger faith. And he's sure. not intimidated as long as we engage. Keep wrestling, right? right? Just keep wrestling right. in those dark places. And I actually, I actually think that's where the intimacy, the deeper intimacy is found exactly. in, the, in, the con- in the conflict, right? In the wrestling match. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's so good. Wow. Um, Christy, I want to, I want to just lean in just a little bit more because there's a, I don't know. So this is, this is kind of like th- th- theoretical. This may not be true because of y'all's story, especially because Andrew, you, you had this past uh, wound from your yeah. father that really caused a lot of joy and excitement. But there, oftentimes, if you talk to a, a guy and you talk to a you know a husband and a wife, and and you talk to the husband when their wife is pregnant, you ask him like, "Hey, you excited about this?" You you know, and they're like, "Well, yeah, I'm excited," but but they don't feel quite the attachment yet that that the mm-hmm. woman feels right. And so, so oftentimes you have a situation like this, you know, we've spoken with several couples who have miscarried. And and even though I lost an unborn child, I don't quite understand the extent of a miscarriage because I think there's a couple different levels of grief within, within a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one, you've got the, the attachment that you felt, the intimacy that you felt already, Christy, with your baby and then losing that. And then Andrew, you've got that double sided grief where you've lost a, a, a son and you're trying to help your wife grieve through this process as well, which is a different nature of grief there. So you're seeing two people hurt in the midst of that while you're hurting. So Christy, I would love to just hear from you, you know, if you're speaking to moms who maybe have experienced that grief, how did you, how did you wrestle with that, um, that, that feeling of, 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 man, I, I knew this baby, you know, they, they were, this baby was alive in me mm-hmm. and now is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the nuances of that, how would you walk a mom through that? Who is, who has miscarried? Wow. Um, you know, I, it, it makes me think of, you know, even mothers who've lost to ch- or parents who've lost children who are three years old, yeah. 20 years mm-hmm. old, you know? So in some ways I feel like it's so particular to story and um, I've lost two other children from miscarriage at different times Mm. in a, in a pregnancy. And the further along it does feel the harder Mm. to let go of because you're attached in a different way. And um, it is true. It's so intimate to carry something in your body Mm -hmm. and it's so intimate to have to be always aware. I would tell Andrew like, I'm always aware that I'm pregnant. I'm never not aware. Even Mm. when I'm sleeping, I'm woken up by the fact that I'm pregnant. And, um, you know, he would make a joke like, I want to carry, I'll help carry the baby. And he's like, (laughs) hold my stomach up. and Trying, trying. Trying to relate, yep. Agreed. (laughs) And and yet that loneliness is real. That loneliness that he can't um, come across and meet me in is really real. Mm. And I think women know that and and it is hard to articulate and i think because it's so intimate in our body that if we lose a child there's a lot of feelings that go on in that process but there's a lot of silence still mm. 
you know, we aren't allowed to write on Facebook that we miscarried or that we're going to have a DNC because we've lost the baby at this many weeks. It's a, Hmm. it's a very lonely, Hmm. um, place in our gender that hasn't really, it's still nuanced and it's still private. And there is a sense of what did I do wrong? Mm -hmm. And, and Mm. there's some, there's an ambivalence that you hold being pregnant because Mm. You have no control and you have tons of control. You know what you can't eat Mm. and what you shouldn't eat and what you shouldn't do. And then you have no control of when the heart is going to start beating or the organs are going to start building. And in some ways, you could go to the bathroom at any point in those nine months and there could be blood that mocks you. Mm. And I think that's where death and where evil wants to take a stance in women because it's such a silent place that our bodies are that we're intimately acquainted with and our our bodies that are good also could hold the power of just the life they're building dying yeah Mm -hmm. and 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 death and evil wants to say there's something wrong with you Mm. there's something wrong with your capability to bring life into this world and um so I, I don't know if I'm answering your question no, of how to good. walk someone yeah. through it, but I guess I would say it's already such, it's still such a silenced conversation mm. um, that it it is really hard to explain and to have people engage you in it because it's, it's already a lonely place. Yeah. And um, so again, yeah, I'm not sure that well, I answered your question. What would you but. say? Yeah. I mean, I think you answered it very well. What would you say to somebody who is having those feelings of condemnation, who feels that sense of like, man, the mockery from death that you just alluded to, how would you combat that in their life? Right. I, I think honestly, the way that I've combated for myself has been being in relationship with other women mm. who are believers and who know truth and believe truth and, also have had similar experiences or are honest enough to engage me in that conversation. So uh, it, again, where it's hard, um, when you think of God, the father, there's a sense that it's hard to engage a father when you know mother so intimately. And so when I engage other believers who are mothers and I'm honest and there's not the pretending and there's that authenticity. I feel like I've had so much healing in that place because Mm -hmm. they just know, they know in a way that my husband doesn't know. They know in a way that in some ways the God of the Bible does know, but we aren't really taught that from the pulpit. And so it's harder to kind of comb that out of scripture, even though it's there. So I, again, I've found it through just other women who, who I can share the intimacy of that with. Um, I thought that was, really insightful one of the chapters in in a brave lament you you basically said i need i need god to be mother yeah you know yeah. and and you're you're even readily admitting like i don't even know if, if this is right theologically but i just need him to be mother right now yeah and i think yeah. that's what's so powerful about when god said you know he told moses his name was like who should i tell the people that you are what's your name he goes i am Mm-hmm. what is you are what that was that's a good start what, what what's the rest of it you are what <laughs> you know yeah and he's, yeah. he's basically saying i am whatever you need you need me to be mm-hmm. provider i am provider you need me to be healer yeah. i am healer whatever you need in this moment i am mother yeah. in this mm-hmm. moment 
I know what this is. I know what it's like to bring, to birth something, right? To create something, to bring life to something. And I know what it's like, like we alluded to earlier, I know what it's like to birth something that's destined to die. And right. And, and I needed to, and I poured through scripture and I found every verse I could on when God referenced himself as mother, mm. whether it was a child weaning, I'll know you, even wow. if your mother weaning you, forget you, I will not forget you. And I needed to know that God loved me that much mm. and God loved brave that much. I, I needed that because I needed to know he loved me as much as I loved my child that I was burying in the ground. Wow. And I, I had to find I had to find him as mother to believe that he understood and could care for me in that moment and that he loved brave more than I loved brave. Yeah. But I need, I needed to believe that. And I couldn't looking for it in the lens of a father. I had to find it through the lens of a mother. Yeah. That's so good. Was there a sense I want to, in a second, I want to go back to this idea that you guys had this like really strong community around you that just wept with you and they were there present with you. But before we do that, was there a sense that, in, in, in some sense was, were, were, talk to me about the dynamic between the two of you and how instrumental you were for mm-hmm. each other for healing, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think it's, uh, the statistics are 80, uh, up to 80% of marriages fail after, after heartache and trauma to this magnitude. Mm. Um, what was that? Or loss of a child. Yeah. Loss of a child. It, it's, wow. it's crazy, the statistics. And so as far as us, like, uh, it, it was not pretty. Um, and yet Christy was the only person in the world that could know the level of my suffering mm. and the amount of my love for my son. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, at times we just kind of curled up in our own little balls and suffered alone. At times we wept with each other. Um, we ended up closing our private counseling practices cause we just, we, we couldn't, figure out like we can't care for others when we Mm. literally our hearts are shattered. So we closed our private practices. Uh, Luckily we had some family members help financially and we were able to, to go to Southeast Asia for four months and just travel and be together. And we literally just wrote every single day and Mm. just cried and wept and prayed and cursed and all the above. Um, And and we, we did it together. And yet again, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty, and yet we needed each other. Wow. Um, yeah, there was a sense of doing a pilgrimage where we yeah. we needed to make a statement in our marriage and in our family that we weren't okay going on yet. Mm-hmm. And the typical, we from a psychological standpoint, we know that we're not in the Western culture given that much time to grieve. Right, no. Mm-hmm. And so we needed to go to a culture where grief was really acceptable. And that's why we picked certain countries where they bury their dead on their land and um, they mourn for more than a week, two Mm -hmm. weeks, months at a time. We needed that culture to teach us Mm -hmm. how to grieve. And, and it was good that we were positioned together that we couldn't turn away from each other in a way we had to stay together and it was it was helpful. It was like we were making a, a statement. We were pilgrimaging that that this broke our hearts um, and that our marriage wanted to make a statement to how we want to be known in our grief instead of just like plowing wow. on. Yeah, well, that's so in the good. Process. Yeah, well, you're right. Our culture does not support the idea of diving into the depths of grief at all. 
you know, and right. you look at the, uh, I was fascinated when I, when I found the Jewish calendar for grief, you know, because mm. yes. it was a, it was a cool thing to look at and see how, okay, if you just, if you lost an acquaintance, a friend, a coworker, you grieve, you stop and grieve for a week, right? <laughs> if you lose right. a spouse, you stop and grieve for 30 days. Okay. Mm. Um, and, but if you lose a child or if you lose a parent, it's a year, Jeez. a year grieving process. Now we definitely don't yeah. do that in the in the <laughs> the, the U.S. We're too okay. Yeah. We got to get to the next thing, next appointment, and I think that's why yep. we totally. wind up carrying that around for years and years and years and years. It perpetuates, right. and then we carry that grief and that hurt and that brokenness into other relationships. That yes. ends up affecting those relationships as well. Yes, totally, and it comes out sideways. Yeah, right? it comes out. It comes out in addiction. Yeah, right? I see that. I see that every day. It comes wow. out in sometimes over spiritualization. You know, you just you 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 run from anything. Um, you know, you make it, it comes out in so many different ways, mm. um, and, and it's so unhealthy. Rather than just taking the journey into it, that's good. Um, yeah, and wow. I I think it it helped us not build resentment. Yeah. Even though yeah. both of us were on different timetables of grief, and even though we grieved differently, it was okay because we set this um, we set this pilgrimage as a place where we both had the freedom mm. to grieve. And mm. I think that grief kept us from resenting the other person at some level in our hearts, and and kept us from we just poured it out. We kept breaking and pouring our body out, yeah. and you know when I couldn't handle. Andrew or I couldn't handle myself, he would say, okay, babe, go write, like go mm. to a coffee shop and just write. And in some ways he just would care for me by sending me and protecting and asking me to pour out more and like go in a sense and be with the Lord and, and force yourself um, because I can't help you right That's, now. Wow. And that was really hard. I wanted him to fix it yeah. and, and, and he couldn't, or he wasn't in a place where he could care for me because he was so broken and we had to learn what our grief looked like. Yeah. Just like any other attribute in a marriage, we had, we, we knew what our hospitality looked like. We knew what our counseling <laughs> practice yeah. looks like, but we didn't know what our grief looked like and we didn't know what our suffering looked like as a couple. And I think we found that in those four months as we, you know, awkwardly danced through mm -hmm. suffering and grief wow. um, and so brought that together. And, and I also, I think it's important to note, like, I, I feel like we were definitely privileged in, in the sense of having family support us during this time, because I don't think everybody has yeah. that opportunity mm -hmm. right. where they can't just stop their whole life. They actually right. have to go on. They have kids, they have jobs, they can't just stop their life. And yeah. so, you know, for your listeners, it's like, uh, you know, we don't say you have to stop everything and and many people don't have that privilege to be right. able to do that. But even if you can't stop everything, are you creating space yeah. in your in your life to feel? Yeah. Are you are you stopping even if it's late at night to have silence? That's good. Put your put your phone down. Write. Weep. Feel the pain to the depth, so it doesn't come out sideways. So it doesn't yeah. come out in these other ways that are unhealthy, like you have to enter it, whether that's through a therapist, whether that's a, a pastor that can actually, you know, enter in and hold the pain without trying to fix it. Like you got to have support, mm -hmm. of, you know, community therapist, whoever it is, pastor, um, to really feel this. Right. We're huge proponents of marking things. And mm. so whether it's, wow. we would go out and we would, um, build Ebenezer. So we'd go out to the river on a hike or whatever, and we would find rocks and we'd, you know, build an Ebenezer of just marking. Yeah. We wanted to mark 
and every physical marking we could do, you know, that could happen in our backyard, in our home. We had our friends, even through our miscarriages, mm-hmm. come and meet us at the water and we marked, we marked it. And I yeah, think that yeah. can take, that can take an hour, that can take 30 minutes, but it's intentional time of saying, we have lost something yeah. and we don't want to keep going as if we never have. Yeah, we right. need to mark, we need to mark this yeah. and our bodies Absolutely. need to see us mark it. That's good. And our, our friends with us or, yeah. or just as a couple or just in ourselves. I don't know how many times I've gone out to the water and I've picked rocks and I've just stacked them to say it mattered. I don't even, my grief matters and yeah. I have to set this Ebenezer before you, Lord, because I, this is what's in my heart and I can't carry it. And so I'm just putting it, marking it here in this moment. Yes. Wow, man, that's powerful. Very Wow. You guys, um, you know, you did this journey together where you're able to kind of, you know, step back away from stuff. But you mentioned earlier that you had this community of people, you came home from the hospital immediately, had this group Mm -hmm. of folks that, you know, were in your, your church community and they just wept with you. And there was a power of presence there. How instrumental was that for you guys for healing? Uh, Oh gosh. I mean, we wouldn't have made it. We wouldn't have survived because we do live really far from family you know, but uh, we feel so fortunate, our friends and, and the, the documentary film that, that we just made also called A Brave Lament is, is really chronicles um, our community mm. and really, really focuses on how they they carried us. Um, but we're so fortunate. I mean, so many of our friends uh, all went to the we all kind of went to the same graduate school. And so they're they're either professional therapists or pastors <laughs> oh, 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 or yeah. pastors. Yeah. Seminary <laughs> that I went to. Yeah. We all we all kind of went there. So it's like we have this like juggernaut group yeah. of friends yeah. that are all like in touch with their deepest heartaches. And, wow. Uh, and God, so it's really unique in that regard. And yet I don't think you need that. I think really what you need as far as your listeners, like you really just need a few people that are willing to go there with you Yeah, that are willing to not have simple answers. Mm. Right. Um, I remember I share this, I share this story often. One of my best buddies in college, Greg, I went through a hard breakup. I'm in my dorm room and I'm, I'm just weeping. I mean, this girl, I, I made her kind of my God. And so mm. when you lose a God, it, it tears your world yep. apart. Yep. And uh, so I'm weeping in my bed and, and all of a sudden I hear the door crack open and somebody walks in. I don't even look up. I don't even care just because I'm crying so hard. And I just feel my butt uh, end up being my, my buddy, Greg. I just feel his hand on my back. Mm. He, he didn't say a word. And it very well could have been the hand of God. Um, because he literally did not say a word. And after, you know, I don't know, a couple of minutes, hours, I have no idea. He stood up and he started removing the pictures of the shrine that mm. I had made for her in my dorm room. And he just kind of took them off one by one. And he was just silent. He did not say anything because in the midst of suffering, we do not want right. uh, to, to be fixed. Wow. We want to be known. Yeah. And for me to be known in the midst of my suffering means you have to suffer as well. Wow. Right? Because you have to deal with your own futility that you can't fix me. Mm-hmm. Wow. You can't do you can't offer anything but your broken presence. Yeah. But that means that means you better be in touch with your own brokenness or you're not going to be able to reach mine. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's so good. I was actually just talking to a group of folks this morning and they asked me the question, you know, how do you help somebody who's walking through grief? Like how do you be how do you be community for them? Because 
you know, there's ways that you can be community and there's ways that you can be a terrible community. And I yes. just told him, I said, the power of presence is really the best mm-hmm. thing that you can do. Exactly what you're mm-hmm. saying, Andrew. You yeah. know, you see in, in John 11, I believe it is, where Jesus comes on the scene where Lazarus is dead and everybody's weeping and wailing. And there's just this very simple sentence in Scripture, the shortest one in all of Scripture, and it says, Jesus wept. Mm-hmm. Yes. That doesn't make any sense because we know the end of the story where he raised Lazarus from the dead. Why did he weep? Well, mm-hmm. he was entering into suffering with the mm-hmm. people there. And I, yes. think he's, I think he was broken hearted by it because he's like, this is not what I, meant, what I meant for humanity. I didn't want them to walk through this brokenness. I think right. he yes. saw a foretaste of his own brokenness that was going to happen, felt that, tasted that a little bit of his own brokenness. But I think most importantly, he just entered into it with them. Yes. And that's the yes. best way that we exactly. can be Jesus to the people who are, who are hurting around us is just like what you just, that's a beautiful story, Andrew, just like uh, of your friend right there. What an incredible metaphor of how we can do that for other people as well. Do you guys, do you guys have a feeling or a sense that, I mean, obviously I think this is probably a, probably a really dumb question, but to what extent do you feel like you're better equipped than to help other people in their pain since you've experienced this? No, exactly. Yeah. I think, what our community and our church offered us was creativity around care when mm, there's grief. Okay. And and so um, when we were at a place of not knowing what to do, they stepped in and they were just creative on our behalf. And I, and I say creative in such a, I know it's a strange word to use, but, um, you know, our church had an entire service on lamenting where they broke glass and they dug in dirt and rocks and they just um, they were just creative with how to show us that they didn't need us to take care of them during our grief, that they would carry their own grief and they would carry us. And so I I think that equipped us. We definitely realized we loved the people who um, were foolish enough to Mm -hmm. try to speak Mm -hmm. and were foolish enough to come to our door or leave something at our door or follow us to the gravesite and bury our child with our hands instead of using a crane to put the dirt over the grave. Mm. We, we stopped it and we said, you know, we will bury him. Mm. The, the Lord has given him to us. Like we will bury him and our friends just taking dirt in their hands and burying and then yeah. to even visit the grave at times and have friends already there at the grave Hmm. And and being surprised by their presence and how yeah. they were creatively foolish with how they cared for us in the midst of grief. And wow. they were the, their bravery yeah. was incredible. They risked us being frustrated or angry or mad. And yes. and they risked it because they wanted to also take care of us. And, wow. and I'm so grateful for how they did that. And I feel yeah. like it gives me insight now. Mm-hmm. Um, it sadly hasn't made me that much better at being with someone with grief. It's still awkward. It's still hard. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's still, it's not like I have the perfect words. And I think what Andrew mm-hmm. said about the futility that we have yeah. to wrestle with of our brokenness of all I can do is offer my presence. Yeah. And yet I want to be found as a brave fool being creative around caring for you mm-hmm. in your grief. And, and maybe that's in silence with a hand on my back, or maybe that is just being at the gravesite mourning um and and you find me there but 
just presence. Yeah, it feels yeah. like that's what we've learned or yeah. what I've learned in it, the process. It, as you're talking, it reminds me of one of our mentors, uh, Dr. Allender, always says, he says, would you rather be a fool or a coward? Hmm. Um, and those are your only two options. Wow. <laughs> right? And for us, we had so many friends. We had both. Right. We had friends who were absolute fools yeah. and they risked they risked on our behalf. And maybe they said something mm. foolish. Maybe they said the wrong thing, but at least they tried. Yeah. Right. That's good. They loved us enough to be foolish, whereas many people were cowards. Right. Yep. And, and many, many friends, again, long term friends yep. uh, or even in my wedding. It's like I didn't hear from them. Yeah. They, they were cowards. Wow. They didn't know how. To, they didn't know how to engage my pain, so they went silent. Wow! Right? Or, or my pain didn't meet their boxes of spirituality that yeah. they already had built, and so they pushed me out. And it's like, okay, like I'm gonna choose friends that are willing to be foolish on my behalf, mm. um, and at least they're not cowards. Yeah, that's so good. Wow, wow. So if. If, you know, you're what, six years removed from this? Is that right? Six years? Yeah. Yep. Yes. So if you were talking to somebody now and they're in this situation today, you know, they've just lost somebody. Um, no, let's let's take that back because today you wouldn't talk to them and try to explain anything, right? You'd just be <laughs> present, right? Okay. Exactly. Let's say, let's say right. they're now in the space where they're wrestling through some of that, some of the whys and some of the... How would you yeah. how would you enlighten them to purpose that you have experienced out of this pain, God's restoration in this? And I know that the story is still unfolding, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that's the beautiful mm -hmm. thing about God's restoration is that we still don't know the full extent in which he's going to use your story. Right. But how have you started to see some of those glimmers of restoration in your life? Right. I... I'll just bring this the story a little bit full circle. So I'm pregnant with my second son and I'm in the hospital about to give birth. And I hear the Lord say, you've been brave with grief. Will you be brave with life wow. and with creating life? And there is an invitation. We all know loss, all yeah. of us at mm -hmm. some level. And we either make a vow to not try to create again because mm -hmm. it hurts so bad what we lost or we decide that we're not going to vow mm. against that and we're going to actually choose to be brave enough to try to create again. And that doesn't necessarily have to mean a child. That can mean in right. anything. We decide that we are and we're going to create. And I think we even had to decide that in our in our love. I mean, yeah. we had to decide we are going to choose life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even though we know what it is to birth death, we have a choice to make here. Yeah. And I also think that I, I think people need to experience life after they've experienced yes. death before mm -hmm. they can be required of anything. And uh, so in some ways, there's that part of me that says it's OK that you need to experience more yeah. life mm -hmm. to make your heart at ease. Um, but there is a choice there of how yeah. will you live and what will you do with your story and what you've been handed and how mm -hmm. what will you vow to do? And yeah. I think what what I. I say even at the end of the book is, what? who will I be known for as Brave's mother? Will I be known as a woman who is still in the grave after she buried her son in the grave? Or will I be known as a woman full of life and full of resurrection wow. and full of hope? And that is a dangerous and scary mm. commitment to make because death rocked me. Evil yeah. 
evil did mock me and I in some ways want to mock back by yeah. dancing and by living in this fullness of hope. Yeah. And and I'll tell you, every time I dance or sing now, I still shudder mm. because it's intimidating yep. mm-hmm. to live at that level. Yep. And it's intimidating to choose to create life mm. when I have no idea what that's going to cost. I mean, I have an idea yeah, and it is right. cost me much. And Still, who will I choose to be wow. in that process? Man, yeah. that's awesome. That's powerful. I I sense and feel the same thing, you know. So remarrying was perhaps one of the bravest things that I've had to step into through the whole process because it's op- opening myself up again to being vulnerable with yeah. somebody f- to the risk of losing again, yes. you know. And, and there are times that I almost feel, and I've been open with Christy about this multiple times, my Christy, not your, Christy with a K, Christy <laughs> with a C, right? Christy Wait, with a D- K is my Christy. <laughs> yeah. Dave, you, you've been talking to Christy? Oh, no, no. <laughs> I've, been, I've been vulnerable with my Christy about this in the sense that I, it terrifies me when I feel all this joy yes. that I'm feeling right now. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, is this... Course. Is this, I mean, am I, am I allowed to feel this? You know, oftentimes you can forget that, no, like God, God actually wants us to feel joy. And I think that, that, that we have to go to the depths of sorrow to feel the full breadth of joy. Exactly. That it's yes. it's exactly. two sides of the same coin, and he wants us to yes. also. We have to be remember that God is a good Father that gives good gifts, you know, mm-hmm. and that we can experience joy, and that means we might get something taken away from us again. That's okay, yes. but yeah. to 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 embrace the seasons of joy because yes. there there's 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 beautiful there's beauty in levity. There's beauty in in yeah. in, in, in that kind of um in that kind of living as you know his beloved. So. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I feel like we feel that gratitude. Like daily, yeah. I think we speak, we see our children mm-hmm. and we touch them in a way that we would never look at them or be with them if we hadn't known the depths yes, of suffering. That's it. Um, yeah. And there's a gratitude that I think takes over us where totally. I didn't know I would feel this grateful or this gifted or I didn't I didn't know I'd feel this glorious after such suffering. Mm. And yet yeah. it does feel so full. Yeah. And I feel my gratitude overwhelmingly at the life we've been given. I I also think it's important to not, when when people suffer, it's important to not jump too quickly into the why. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we try to make meaning a lot of times just to comfort ourselves. Or Mm. we try to say, well, why did this happen? Well, why did, and and for me, the why was a, was a really cruel, a Mm -hmm. cruel question because, you know, literally if it it was evil, like evil, like evil stole my son. Like, right. There, there's no good why. There's no other even, why other than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even now it's like, oh, okay, well, we wrote a, you know, we wrote a good book or we yep. wrote, you know, we have a film coming that's going to help a lot of, I don't care. Like yeah. that's not like the why it, you don't have to go look for the why the why will come just by you being faithful. Yeah. Like, that's the good. why is just going to show up. You don't need to go search for it. Yeah. That's so good. It'll emerge. It'll emerge. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah, and and you're right. The only why to any kind of hurt and brokenness is sin. That's the why. What will come of this, that's the thing that's yet to be determined and that's unfolding in front of us, right? How God's going to flip this, how he's going to use it, how he's going to repurpose it, that's the adventure that we walk into now. And um, that's a beautiful thing. What are you guys that... We're we're about out of time, but I want to... You said something at the beginning where you've always dreamed on behalf of the kingdom. 
I have this mm-hmm. sense that you guys are still dreamers on behalf of the kingdom. <laughs> I have this sense that, and this is something that I know God's put in my heart, that I've always been a dreamer on behalf of the kingdom. And yet mm-hmm. he has been taking me through a process where he is, he planted dreams inside of me long ago. And now he's taking me through a process where he's killing the dreamer, but he's mm-hmm. leaving, he's leaving the dream alive. He's mm-hmm. gracious mm-hmm. enough to leave the dream alive because he wants mm-hmm. me to emerge as a different kind of dreamer. You know, yeah. what, right. what are you dreaming now for the kingdom mm. now that you've experienced this and, and you've walked through some of that death to self yeah. a little bit mm-hmm. what yeah. dreams are still alive it's cool to hear you say that david just like explains um it just says so much because that is really true that the probably the dreamer in us 11 years ago has died and we've become new dreamers yeah and yet the dream is still there, meaning like, you know, we're going to go to a film festival this weekend that's going to premiere this documentary we wow. made. If you would have told me that I was going to produce documentaries <laughs> 10 years ago, I would have said, there's no way. Yeah. There's, I, I don't even, if you would have told me, I would have maybe believed I would have written some books, but I, I don't think I would have thought about this global vision mm. of giving resources and definitely not in the realm of lament or yeah. grief, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, but I, I think in some ways the way I'm dreaming differently is uh, I'm offering something that the untalked, the yeah. unspoken yeah. where that is where the uncomfortable mm-hmm. is. I'm being asked to step out and speak boldly and speak honestly and authentically and people can't turn away and they don't want to turn away. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's how I'm dreaming a little bit differently now. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think so much of what we're doing now, um, I've got another book coming out in September called stumbling towards wholeness. And mm-hmm. that's kind of a, a lot larger, a large, larger project, but it's like all these projects that that we're doing is literally like because we're being faithful with our stories. Yeah, you know, because we're being faithful with our pain, it's like we just got to do it. Yeah, you know, we we had to do this film, we had to do this book about brave. Like we just gotta, we just gotta put it out there. Yeah, um, and so our, our dreams are coming alive, but they're not dreams. Again, not dreams that I wanted. I didn't want to write, you know, this, this right. book about exactly. my son. Um, I know from my practice now that working with men who with compulsive sexual uh, behaviors, it's like I have to constantly confront my own 13 year addiction to porn. Mm. It's like, I I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about that. But it's Mm -hmm. like, because I am fighting now my own, my own story, my own addictions, my own health, my own integrity, I have to go right into the heart of my darkness and my brokenness Mm -hmm. and help others do the same. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's so great, man. Go ahead, Christy. Well, no, I was just thinking that feels really true in my practice of working with women around healthy Christian sexuality. It's not something you think you have to work for or we're not taught the power of the holiness and sacredness of sexuality in the in our Christian faith. And yet why do we have so much harm and brokenness mm-hmm. in in marriages and in relationships because of pornography or because of infidelity? Um, you know, because of sexual sin. And I, I think there's a power in sexual wholeness. Mm, yep. And so I think we found ourselves going into these dark places and mm-hmm. saying, there's power here. We realize that there's power in grief and lamenting well. Mm-hmm. Um, the Holy Spirit meets 
meets us in those places. And, mm-hmm. and there's something actually that can transform people when yeah. they when they grieve deeper deeply or when yeah. they look at sexuality through God's eyes and they actually take it on as a powerful tool. Mm-hmm. I, there's just there's something about that 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 we have been invited into um, just by like calling out the, the dark places and asking people to go in the hard places so that they can have as much power as was desired for them wow. in these in these good places. Wow, man, you guys are awesome. Your incredible lights <laughs> and darkness. <laughs> it's just a Thank very you. cool thing to hear you process your story, what God's doing through that encourages me. It's going to encourage so many people. We're going to put on the, the podcast notes, the podcast page, we're going to put different resources that you guys have already produced. We're going to put places where people awesome. can connect with you. And so, um, you know, we, you. I'm sure there are going to be lots of people who uh, would love to connect with you in that in that way. So just for the listener, you guys can go check out that podcast page, davyblackburn.com. Go to this particular podcast with Andrew and Christy Ballman. And uh, man, guys, it's just been an honor to have you guys. Thanks so much awesome. for joining me. Thank you, Dave. Su- such a privilege to be with you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, guys. We'll catch you next time. Wow. I don't even know how to commentate on that. Yeah. That episode. I mean, it, the, the depth of emotion that they were, there's, what I found is that it's really hard to communicate emotion, like mm-hmm. raw emotion. Yeah. Because you, whatever words you try to put to it, it doesn't do it justice. It's not enough. And yet, that, man, just the way the language that they've been able to wrap around their pain and package it and give it to people so that it's helpful is just powerful. Yeah, it's it powerful. Is. I would suggest everybody picking up a copy of their book. Um, it's a unique book. It's it's very similar to C.S. Lewis's book, uh, A Grief Observed, and that okay. it's like a collection of of journal entries and and just raw correspondence with God, like prayers with God. But it's called A Brave Lament. Mm-hmm. We'll definitely put that resource on the podcast page so you can you can buy that. Um, get connected to that because it's it's really powerful, especially if you're walking through something the way they have walked through. Yeah, I'm gonna put that on my to do list. I yeah. need, to, need to look through that book for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm really excited, him about the next podcast that we release. Are you in two weeks? <laughs> I am, and here's why: because in two weeks we will have officially been podcasting for an entire year. Man, I'm gonna be honest, like. That makes me really emotional. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. And I honestly can't believe how far this thing has gone in yeah. a year. I mean, this has like surpassed anything that we uh, would oh my have gosh. thought. Big time. I kind of thought it'd be like, oh yeah, my like 40 family members will be. <laughs> yeah, it's like our church staff <laughs> yeah, and your church family. and the staff. And, yeah, maybe people from our church would actually <laughs> listen to it. I don't know. But man, I just like the tens of thousands of you guys that are yeah. joining it. I just, I'm blown away by yeah. that. And, and so, the people who have given their time to intentionally share their stories through these microphones is incredible too. Absolutely. And we've got a lot more coming Mm -hmm. in the next year, two years, three years, hopefully beyond. But um, it's going to be exciting to pause next time and just celebrate uh, what God's done over a year. Yeah, it's true. I heard that we have uh, a special guest. Do we? And I'm not going to spoil who it is, but he's pretty cool. Oh. And he has a good communicating voice. (laughs) 
Does, does his name rhyme with Blavy? I heard that he has a, a <laughs> rapping nickname. Oh, that no. That is, uh, is it uh, Diddy Blackford? Oh, maybe? man. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I guess, I, yes, I am going to be the special guest. We're going to do a little flip-flop. It'll be fun to kind of just <laughs> flip-flop it a little bit. So we've got, my, Megan is like shaking her head right now. <laughs> you aren't supposed to tell people you're going to be the special. <laughs> no, I've got a project that I've been working on that I'm excited about releasing. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about that. And so um, we're just going to get a chance to dialogue about that project and just just really excited about being able to share that time with you guys. Yeah, It's going to be a lot of fun. So don't miss the next episode of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Right. It's going to be awesome. A party. A, a party. celebratory party. Yes. Yes. I'm excited. That's I'm great. Excited. Cool. Well, uh, before we sign off here, just want to thank uh, Sleeping at Last, Ryan O'Neill, mm-hmm. uh, for providing uh, the music for this podcast. Uh, I love the the intros and outros. Uh, they're really <laughs> great, but also he has a lot of really great music. Yeah. Uh, you can find it on any uh, music platform uh, that you use, Spotify, iTunes. I think there's others, but I don't know what they are. So any place that music can be streamed or downloaded, you can find his music. Ryan O'Neill, Sleeping at Last. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Awesome. And we love you guys. Our Nothing is Wasted community. Can't Mm -hmm. wait to chat with you next time. We'll see you.